Well, a warm Christian greeting to each one. It's a blessing to be here in your midst again this morning. I'm uh, honored to uh, have my family here with me, at least most of them this morning. And some folks from the home church, thank you so much. See a few friends from State College as well. It's good to have you here. And I have been blessed. I, uh, I want to thank uh, Brother Kinley for picking up on, on the theme this week. It's been, it's been a real blessing. Last night, Brother Nathan picked up on something that uh, I really enjoyed as well. You've got, some, you've got a lot of chess players here. I was impressed. Obviously, you know more about chess than I do. I'm not much of a chess player. And so I appreciate some of those insights last night, this morning as well. It's been a blessing. Thanks, brethren. I, uh, tremendous to work on the, you know, when you can, you can all get up and, and speak the same things, it's just a real blessing. So uh, I, I appreciate that very much. The message today, I should just have to tell you how it is a little bit. I had, I had a message planned for this morning, and somehow, somehow things changed around overnight. And so I'm going a little different direction than I was planning to yesterday. It's a message that I, I believe is important for all of us. It's a message that um, continues to be a part of that game of life that we're all playing. <clears throat> I've entitled the message, The Call. I don't know what you think about. I think there's a, there's a book, kind of in the back of my memory. I hope I'm not taking away, taking someone down a path he shouldn't, but I think there may be a book by that name, although I'm not, not right familiar with it right now. I can't, can't recall it. I'm talking about a we're going to be talking about a call, the call. As you think about a call or the call, I suppose your mind goes different ways. Mine goes uh, to a few different instances in my lifetime uh, where the Lord spoke in a, a special way, especially one time I, re I recall, actually twice and we remember uh, just now, and the first one was, that I remember well, was the call to serve God. The call to, to honor the Lord Jesus Christ with a commitment to do what he wants me to do. To acknowledge my need of him. Talk about the call. That is probably the most important call in the life of any person. In this, in this game that we've been referring to. Later... And this was probably about 15 years later. I recall another, another call. And uh, this one was uh, one that I count. Uh, it was almost uh, a, sacred, a sacred thing. This is one I haven't shared with so many people. But there was a time when I was uh, 
we were married about, I think about seven years, six or seven years. One night I was in the living room and suddenly I realized that the presence of God was, was there in a way that I hadn't quite, you don't always sense. And in that, in that short time there, somehow there was an impression made on my life that things were going to change sometime soon. And uh, I didn't know what that was, but the very strong impression was there that, uh, that God had spoken was calling. So I waited, and in the next it was, uh, I'm not sure how many months it was, maybe a year. I received a call from, from the uh, school board there, some of you. Wondered if I would consider teaching school. And I was a dairy farmer, so it was, uh, it was there were some changes that had to be made for, in order for that to happen. But you know, when I, when I got that call from the school board chairman, got off the phone, of course, I, I, uh, said the right things and said I need a little time to think about it but you know in my heart I really knew that this was this is what it was about I believe and so from there um, I went on to teach school which I learned an awful lot during that time somehow the teacher learns as much or maybe more than the students do at times as you as you uh, feel that responsibility that was a call that kind of changed the course of my life then I went from being a, a dairy farmer to a school teacher. Um, wasn't sure I'd get back into dairy farming sometime again, but eventually uh, the farm was sold and there was never, never felt God's call back to that, that kind of work again. Talk about a call. The call. But you know, I've, I've realized that I've discovered since then I think I knew it before, but I've discovered since then that uh, there were a few calls like that, but then there are calls that life is made of, the call. And I invite you to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to remind you with a few scriptures about the call that we have to serve God. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1 through verse 3. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then turn with me to 1 Peter and chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2, I'd like to start reading verse 9. <clears throat> But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, 
that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak evil, they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. In these few portions of scriptures, we, we notice that there is a call, a call from God to us to be a people, a called out people, a people who have purpose in life, a people who've been, who've been saved by the blood of Jesus, cleansed from their sins, who've been sanctified, been set apart for the work of the kingdom, for the building of the kingdom of God. These are the called out ones, and I trust that you're part of that, that group today. <clears throat> I remember in my youth years, and since then as well, in asking the question, what is God's will for my life? And I suppose every young person who is serving the Lord or wanting to serve the Lord with all of his or her heart, that's a question you're facing as well. What does God want me to do? It's a question that continues on as well. I remember in the time that I was mentioned to you just earlier. What is God's will for my life? What does he want me to do? Um, I know he's got a plan. I believe that with all my heart. So what is that plan? I'd really like to know. And how do I find that out? At my age, you would think maybe most of the decisions are made. I don't know what you young folks think about 50-year-olds. But... Um, let me assure you very quickly that's still not the case. The decisions haven't all been made. And the search for the will of God is an ongoing quest. I believe that will not end this side of eternity. We continue to seek to do, to know, and do the will of God. It's an ongoing um, question. Oh, we know what the basics are. We know how to live our Christian lives. And yet, how to work that out in, in practicality how to do it so that uh, we, can, we can do what God wants us to do as we live our lives is an ongoing question that I believe needs to lie in our hearts. I fear that, I, I, I suppose this is how it works, I believe that when we get to the place, or if we get to the place where we think, I've found God's will and I'm doing it, I've done that, been there, and uh, here I am now, I'm okay. We're in a dangerous position. Because I believe that we as God's people need to continue to seek after God so that we can know what he wants us to do. I'd just like to read a few verses from Isaiah chapter 26. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed in thee, because he trusteth in thee. And then in verse 12, it says, Lord, thou wilt ordain peace for us, for thou also hast wrought all our works in us. I'd just like to, like to share this with the young people and to all of us who are grappling to, to find God's will for our lives. Understand tomorrow morning, just, just thought about this, understand tomorrow morning Jonas is leaving here to, to follow a call to serve a choice books down in Virginia. I'm sure that took some soul searching. 
How do I know? Is this what God wants me to do? And this is what life is all about. I think this is the way it's meant to be. I think this is the way it's meant to be. Sometimes we get too relaxed, maybe too careless in our Christian lives. We just kind of sit back and, and let things happen. There is a time to wait on the Lord, but there's also time to, during that time we must be seeking the Lord with all our heart. Seeking His will. Seeking to find what He wants us to do. Making sure that in our hearts we can feel like we are doing what we can to do what God wants us to do. Sometimes you worry about, I don't know if you're worried about life at all or not. Worried which turns or what, you know, sometimes, there, was, there was a time when, when I grappled a little bit with the idea that, that God would, would ask me to do something that maybe I wouldn't want to do. Can you relate to that? Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed in thee because he trusts in thee. And so as we, I would like to encourage you to put your trust in God and seek him with all your heart because you're willing to, to put your trust in God, the God, a God who loves you and has a good plan for your life and seek his plan with all your heart. He will, he will do you right. He will not do you wrong or evil all the days of your life. He's got your good in mind. And he has a good plan for you. So don't worry about what God asks you to do. Let's give up our work, our thoughts, our plans, ourselves, our lives, everything right into his outstretched hand. When we've given it all to him, there won't be anything left for us to be worried about or to make trouble about. And that's a blessed position to be in. We give it to God, so it's his. We give our lives to God, so they're his. And so he can do what he wants to, as he wants to in his own time. And that's a tremendous place to be. That's a, true, that's a real blessing. That's a, that's a place of peace and rest. That's a place where we can just say, Lord, you do what you want to do. And I'm okay with that. You know, as I think about life, and I think about the kingdom of God, and I think about God and who He is. And then I think about myself and uh, my mistakes and my failures and my weaknesses and my insufficiency. In fact, my total dependence upon God for anything that's good. It amazes me that God actually uses us to do His work. Isn't that, isn't that something? It's difficult to comprehend that our almighty, all-sufficient, all-knowing, not having a need of anything, Heavenly Father desires to use men and women with their failures and shortcomings in the work of building His kingdom. But that's the way it's been down through the ages. That's the way He's chosen to work using people to be his feet and his hands and his lips. That's the way he works. He's doing, still doing that and doing it that way in, in 2014. And he wants to use each one of us in some way or other to bring glory to his name.
I don't know your names. As many of you, I don't know your names. A few of you, I do. But God has a good plan for each one of you. God has a desire to reach down and put his hand on your shoulder and use you for the building of his kingdom. And Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He's building it. And he wants to use you in the work of building that kingdom and making it bigger and, I don't know, can you make the kingdom of God better? I'm not sure. But making it, he's looking to you to make, he wants to use you to contribute to the building of the kingdom. And we can't build it, God builds it, but we allow him to use us in, as he builds his kingdom. And I am blessed and honored to be a part of that work today, and I trust you are as well. It's a big call. It's not something trivial. It's not something we do only on Sundays. It's a way of life. It's the way we live our lives. It's the kind of thing that we need to pour ourselves, our all into. The call. Christian life begins, of course, with a positive response to the call to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. A positive response to that call. And that's where it all starts. If you haven't done that, that yet, then you haven't responded to the initial call. And really you can't be building God's kingdom. God can't use you if you've not been, if you've not been saved. And so getting saved, getting things right with God, acknowledging my need of Jesus Christ, not acknowledging that I'm a sinner, and coming to the foot of the cross and just bringing all that there and saying, Lord, I need your help. I'm helpless. I'm a sinner. I'm, I'm lost. I'm doomed. I have no hope. I've got no purpose. Here I am. And when we come to that place, believing on Jesus Christ, he will save us and cleanse us and set us apart and make us who he wants us to be for the honor and glory of his name. Tremendous call. Tremendous opportunity. Sometimes we look at Christian life as, as a drudgery. May God help us. Christian life is the, being a, being a Christian is, is the greatest call on earth to the greatest, greatest responsibility, to the greatest sense of purpose and fulfillment, to the greatest cause. David, when he was facing Goliath and his brothers were giving him a hard time, he said, is there not a cause? Well, there is a cause in all this. And somehow we have to keep our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ realizing what he's done for us, what he'd like to do with us, and his, his picture of the bigger picture in bringing men to the acknowledgement of his lordship of their lives. The Christian life begins with a positive response to that. And to the invitation to come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The expectation of God uh, for his people is found in 1 Peter 2.9, and I already read that verse. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The Apostle Paul echoes that challenge in Romans chapter 12, and verse 1, where he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren and sisters, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, Acceptable unto God, it's your reasonable service.
and by God's grace we are set apart, sanctified, called to various responsibilities. I painted the call as something big at this point. We're talking about the call to serve Jesus Christ, all right, to give our lives to Him. Talk about the call of, uh, well, we'll stop there just now. And I'd like to bring this, make this a little more applicable to us today. Sometimes we look at, at the call, uh, and I don't know what you, what you think about as, as a big way to serve God. You know, there's, there's, there's things we can do, and we, we're kind of okay with doing those things sometimes. But then there's, there's those calls that, that we think, well, you know, if I would get a call like that, then I would just pour myself into serving God. If I would get a call to, to uh, get out into, uh, into the city and, uh, and put books on book racks in various places where... People aren't saved and are struggling can grab those books and, and take them home and read them. Now that would be a call. That would be a call. If I would get a call like that, I would pour myself into it. Maybe you're thinking about that kind of things, and we tend to. But I would like to encourage you this morning that when God calls you to be a Christian, there is a commitment you make to God to doing His will. I should have brought a blank sheet of paper along here. I don't have one here, but I could lift a, a blank sheet of paper here. And uh, actually, when we start serving God, what we're doing, if we're really honest about things, we're really serious about things, and we're, we really mean what we're saying, we are, we are, we're saying this. I'm willing, with a blank sheet of paper, to give this blank sheet of paper to God. And I'm willing to sign my name down here at the bottom without knowing what's on the top. Okay? I suppose your parents have taught you that you don't sign things before you read them. It's not, not real wise to do that. Well, this is, one, this is one situation where this is the wisest thing you ever do. We talked about purity last night and how purity is not a sacrifice. It's an investment that has a tremendous payback. And so you keep yourselves pure, you're not sacrificing anything. You're investing, you're making an investment in the quality of the life that you're going to be able to live the rest of your life. And you'll, you'll get that payback the rest of your life. So it's not a sacrifice, all right? This isn't either. You sign your name at the bottom and say, Lord, you fill in the blanks, you do what you want to do with my life. It seems big seems dangerous because you don't know what he's going to do or how he's going to fill it in. But it's a, this is not a sacrifice. Oh, it is. It's a living sacrifice in a sense. It's what uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse, verse 1 was talking about. It's a reasonable sacrifice. God has done so much for us. He's given us purpose. He's given us life. He's given us the future. He's given a hope of, of the future. He's given us all that. Without Him, we would have nothing worth talking about. We'd be in where we were before we got saved. And you know how that was. You would want to go back there. We sign our name there and allow God to fill it in. It's a sacrifice, sure, but it's one that's going to pay tremendous dividends in this life and in the next. So I'd like to encourage you. 
But I'd like to take this a bit farther and say that, okay, you haven't received that call yet to, to go pass out books in, in Harrisonburg. All right? You haven't, you're, you're not quite there yet. You haven't got that. So I just kind of wait. I want to do that. All right? This is something I'd want to do. So what do I do until I get that call, that big call that I'm, I'm kind of looking for and wanting and so I can serve God and, and make a difference and make an impact on the world for the good? These are good aspirations and ideals. But there is something that we can do until then. And I believe this is, this is, this is vitally import, important. It's imperative you get this point because if we're going to wait for the call, the big one, and laze around to do nothing, kind of hang around the phone there until the phone rings and we get something like that, we're going to miss what God has for us. And it'd be, it'd be tragic for that to happen. So I'd like to put this little plug in and then we'd like to go on to a little, to, to something else for a bit. We're set, set apart. God has called us, set us apart, sanctified us to various responsibilities. And those responsibilities are everything from supporting and leading to building and praying, to encouraging and teaching, to obeying your parents, to getting married, to bearing children, to taking care of them, to training them, to making a living, to praying, and the list could go on and on. But this is a part of the call. This is where it's at, young folks. Older folks as well. This is where it's happening. You know, if I'm, if I'm waiting for a call, I want to serve on the foreign field. I know that's, that's where it's going to happen. And at the same time, I'm at home, in my home, acting like a bear, waiting for the call. I'm not supporting my church. I don't, it's not important I get there on time. Uh, I'm not there Wednesday nights for prayer meeting. But I'm waiting for the call. Don't expect it. It's not going to happen. The call starts in our fulfillment of those, those little things. In the next part of the message here, I would like to take you on a little trip through the Bible. And we'd like to look at some different people and the calls that they got and how they responded to them. And as you do this, as we do this together, let's analyze our hearts and see if we can find out where we are, if we can relate to these individuals. As I've, as I've looked at my own heart, I've discovered there are various responses to a call, to the call of God. Sometimes, there's instant obedience. Sometimes it's just saying, yes, Lord, I'm, I'm willing to do that. Sometimes we make excuses. And we'll look at some of those folks. We don't think it's going to work out. We're just not sure that God knows what he's doing. And so we make excuses and try to get, a, get away from it. Sometimes it hits us in such a way that we, we uh, just turn our backs and run from it. But like Jonah did. You know, uh, we, just, we just want no parts of it. And the Lord has to deal with us in various ways to get us to the place where he's able to do what he wants to do in our lives. 
So let's look at these folks. And we're not going to turn to all these scriptures. I'm just going to mention them. You think about them. You, these are, these are, these are um, familiar folks to us. Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. God's command to him, get thee up and get thee out to a land that I'm going to show you. You don't know anything about. Big call, wasn't it? Can you imagine that one? Get up and go. I'll show you as you go. Can you imagine what our relatives would have said about something like that? Uh, it's not even responsible. God is a God of order. How can you do something like that? Think about your family. But Abraham got up and went. Prompt obedience. Think about Moses. Out in the backside of the desert, in Exodus chapter 3, God speaking to him, he said, Come now, I'll send you to Pharaoh. I've got a job for you to do. You need to go before the king of Egypt. I know he's a hard man, he's a tough man to work with, but I've got some lessons I'd like to teach him, and I want you to be my mouthpiece. Moses wasn't at all interested. Excuses and protests. Who am I? They won't believe me. I've got a slow tongue. I can't speak. I'm no preacher. I'm not a teacher. Get someone else. Someone could do it. Someone else could do it better. That was Moses. Noah. Here was another, and these are all big ones. These are big to folks, you know? What may look big to me doesn't look so big to you, maybe. But, but when God calls, often it's, it's something, something that kind of jerks you a bit. It makes you realize that, you know, there's, there's something that uh, needs to happen here, and I've got my part to do, and God wants to do something, and yet, and yet, I'm not sure I want to. Noah, think about what he did. He built an ark. God's, God's call for him was to build an ark. A boat the like of which had not been built up to that point. And I suppose, I don't know if they had a problem with finding jobs back in that area or not, but I suppose they were glad for the work. Because it was a lot of work building that, that huge boat. But Noah had a, had a job and he had a vision. And he obeyed, and he built an ark to the saving of his house. He was willing to make a sacrifice, do what God wanted him to do, allow God to use him. And as God, he allowed God to do that, God actually used his obedience to save him and his family. That's actually what obedience comes down to. The ark, the boat that we're called to build, the boat of obedience, is the boat that we need to get on to get saved. Actually, it's, it's what saves us in the end. And so I'd like, to think, I'd like for you to think about that as you think about either accepting or rejecting a call that God might be putting in your heart. That very call may be the means whereby God is going to use to save you and your family. Obedience is something that's very important if we're going to please God. A faith in doing. In fact, the Bible tells us that without faith it is impossible to please God. And so as God calls, there is a step of faith that needs to be taking, taken. Because if we don't step out in faith to do what God has asked us to do, we are not obeying God. And we can't please Him if we don't, if we don't obey and show that faith by our actions. So, uh, Elisha, 
in 1 Kings 19 had a question. May I go back and kiss my father and mother goodbye? That seems like a very valid question, doesn't it? Samuel, a young lad consecrated to God by his parents, and as he ministered, the Lord called him. His response, which was a little coaching from his mentor, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Isaiah, in Isaiah 6, volunteered. In a vision, he saw the Lord's glory and was tremendously awed by what he saw. And he produced a response in him that made him realize who he was and his, his needy condition, the fact that he was an undone person. I believe it's very important um, attitude for service is to realize that we, we have nothing of ourselves. But as we see God, we catch a glimpse of the glory of, the glory of God, we realize that not only is God worthy to serve, but we have a responsibility to serve Him. And then as He cleanses us, we see our need and acknowledge that need. He cleanses us, makes us fit for service. And the response of Isaiah after all that took place was, Hear my, send me. He volunteered, actually ended up volunteering for the work. Ready to mention Jonah just a bit. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. And Jonah turned his back and ran. Mary, the mother of Jesus, called to be the mother of Jesus. And her response to that call was, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, and be it unto me according to thy word. Tremendous honor, but this call cost Mary something as well. As you think about what, what the folks were saying and thinking, probably. Think about the little boy with the lunch who went out to see Jesus. And as he was called to share his lunch with Jesus, he did it gratefully. He did it gladly, I'm sure. Small things, sharing your lunch. The Apostle Paul had a dramatic call on the Damascus Road. He was, uh, the Lord apprehended him there, and he was made to realize that he was actually working against the Church of God when he, was, when he thought he was, he was on God's side. Lord, what do you want me to do, was his response. For Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 12 through 14, his call came at his ordination. few verses there, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in faith, and in purity. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by thy laying on of the hands of the presbytery. His call came at that point. Or part of his call. You know, as you think about all that, sometimes we look at, at various instances experiences in our lives that we call that was a call I felt God's call but the fact of the matter is the call is constant the call is constant to respond in a proper way to God's God's call in our lives our call to be a believer a call to be 
uh, someone who is standing up for what is right, an ambassador of Jesus Christ, doing what's, doing what's the right thing to do from situation to situation, from day to day, doing what God wants us to do. That is the call for us. And of course then we have the Lord Jesus Christ himself who was called by the Father to come down to the earth and give himself as a perfect sacrifice for our sin so that we could experience eternal life, be redeemed by that blood. Jesus' response was, this is a tremendous uh, inspiration to me. My meat is to do the will of the Father. My meat is to do the will of the Father. So what's important to me is what he was saying here. What is important to me is that I do God's will. Remember we talked about earlier that for God's people to be able to do God's will and to know God's will, they've got to, to study the Word of God. It must be a part of us. It must be in our inner beings. So as the Holy Spirit works in our lives, that He can share with us and teach us and remind us of things that we know um, are a part of the Word of God, things that are in our hearts. He can remind us of them because we, we have them in our hearts. My response, or His response was, I want to do the will of the Father. And if that's your heart's desire tonight, today, then you must know God's Word. You must be a student of the Word. You must be studying the Word daily. Not only that, you must, there must be a commitment in your heart to do the will of God. As God reveals to the, things to you uh, from, from your study of the Word, be willing to make changes in your life. I remember a, a time back when, when Brother Charles Hamilton was in our, in our midst there at... Uh, and some of you, and one of his message, he asked a question that I've not forgotten, and I, I think it's a question that, that we do well to consider. And he just asked, he said, when was the last time that your personal study of God's Word caused you to change something in your life? Sometimes we wait on, on our parents to make uh, the suggestions, you know? Sometimes we wait on the preachers to make the suggestions. But when was the last time that you've studied God's Word and because of your study of God's Word, the Holy Spirit nudged you and said, this, this thing here needs to be changed. There's something here that you would do well to, to make an adjustment. When was the last time that's happened to you? If it's not happened recently, maybe we're not in the Word enough. Maybe we're not in tune with God because God does speak to His people through His Word and His Spirit. One of the blessings in the Lord Jesus Christ example though, and this is a consolation to me because I find myself here at times. Jesus struggled with that decision. Did you ever notice that? He struggled with the, the idea that he must, he must do what he was called to do. He knew the call. He knew the reason why, I believe. But he struggled. In fact, he struggled so desperately, he, he, he sweated drops of blood. I've never struggled that hard with a decision. Jesus did. But I'd like, to, I'd like just to share that little nugget with you. you know, it's, it's okay to struggle with, with God's call. There's nothing wrong with that. Now it's important that you make the right decision. But the struggle is okay. Even Jesus struggled with, with the Father's plan for him. 
Jesus came out right, though, when he said, Not my will, but thine be done. And that's where we must needs come out to, as we face God's call on our lives. Though we struggle mightily at times, we want to come out where Jesus did and say, Not my will, but thine be done. Let's change direction just a little bit. Why don't we stand for just a little bit? All right? Change positions as well. Let's just sing that chorus. Uh, Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me great salvation so rich and free. You may be seated again. Thank you. I'd like to change direction just a little bit and look at the characteristics of the person God uses as he, as he looks around and, and seeks for someone to do a work that he has to do. These are characteristics that are important for all of us whether you're, you're passing out books in Virginia, or you're teaching school, or you're raising children, or you're teaching children, or you're just praying for your just, or you're praying for your grandchildren. No matter what you're doing, these are important characteristics if you're going to be of use. Number one, this must be a person who loves the Lord with all his heart. And you know that's going to show. That's going to show because uh, the person who doesn't love God isn't going to be open to the things that God is calling him to do. Whether it's washing the dishes or, or whatever it might be. Love for the Lord is what compels us to do the things that aren't comfortable sometimes. Difficult things. You know, many of the things that we are called to do as parents are parents kind of mundane. They're not really all that extra special, and yet they're part of the package. So we must, be, we must be committed to doing them, because if we're going to neglect those things, then it's not going to work out very well. So we must love the Lord. It's a love for the Lord that compels us to do what are ours to do, the things that are ours to do. This person has removed every hindrance. Hebrews 12.1, he's dealt with sin, he deals with sin. Jesus said, you're my, you're my friends if you keep my commandments. And so it's very important that as we study God's word and we are walking with God and we claim we are Christians and we're doing the will of God and we're on our way to heaven, it's very, very important that we're doing the will of God. Let's put our foot where our mouth is. If we say this is what we believe, then let's study it and do it. Because that's what really matters at the end. If I say I believe what God says and I'm not willing to, to work it out in everyday life, in practical areas of life, 
I'm just a, I'm just a sham. I'm just, I'm just not uh, an awful lot of substance there because it's pretty easy to say things, isn't it? But it's the working out of those things that's, that's where, it's, where it's really important. That's where, the, where the, the proof is that we are really who we are. You know, I, I, uh, there was a time when I, when I, when I built uh, gazebos for, and uh, I had a dealer, and his name was uh, Mr. Paul Platt, and he was from Baltimore, Maryland. He was really kind of a strange, unique fellow, and I'm really not sure how I ever came in contact with him because I did a lot of custom work for him, kind of kind of uh, strange little projects, and, but uh, we had this, this going. Now, Mr. Platt was a, was a very nice man. Uh, I enjoyed working with him for the most part. Very friendly, easy to talk to. We get talking, and he was that kind of person. You, know, it, you could take a long time if you wanted to. Mr. Platt had a problem, and uh, it was the kind of problem that... that um, was very unhandy. He was, he was not an honest man. He would tell me that I'm going to be there at 9.30 and sometimes he wouldn't show up till 1 o'clock. You know? And I, I think I'm pretty scheduled. I, I, time, I think I'm pretty time conscious. I, I really like being on time and I appreciate when others are as well. But this kind of jumped out at me. You know, that kind of, that kind of relationship is very unhandy because you're never quite sure. You're just never sure where he's at. And you have your own day to plan and your own schedule to go about and, and then he didn't like it if you weren't there, you know. So, so it was kind of like, you know, that's, that's the kind of relationship we had. I say that to say this. If we're saying that we're Christians, then we must live it. And as other people look at our lives, then they must see that you know, this person is serious about obeying the Word of God. He's serious about it. He's doing it. He's making an honest attempt. I know we make mistakes and we're inconsistent at times and all that. But in our hearts, there's an honest desire to do the will of God. And when I'm confronted with something from the Word of God by the Holy Spirit or by my brethren, I'm willing to make that change. I've got that kind of commitment to God's Word and to God. And by the way, God and His Word are, are synonymous, you know. Sometimes we try to, to, try to break them up and say that uh, I can follow God without following His Word. It's not, it's not, it doesn't happen. Not in God's, not in God's, uh, it's not the way God does things, not the way God sees things. And so let's, let's, let's uh, continue to work at our commitment to God's Word. Let's be the kind of people that if, if we look into the Word of God and the Holy Spirit speaks to us, our brethren speak to us, let's be committed to the point that we are saying, I will do what God wants me to do. That's who I am. That's who we are. We're God's people. We've been called, we've been called out. We've been set apart. And uh, everything that we do, we want to make sure we're, we're concerned that it, 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 it portrays, it, it throws out an example of godliness. So the folks don't have to stumble on the way we live. I came across this little, this little clipping there about, uh, and it is written by Susanna Wesley. Whatever weakens your reason, 
impairs the tenderness of your conscience, obscures your sense of God, or takes away the relish of spiritual things. Whatever increases the power of your body over your mind, that thing for you is sin. A Christian is a, is a man and, or the woman who has removed those hindrances. And it can be a lot of different things to us. It may be a lot of different, have a lot of different faces. And I'm not going to go there this morning, it's not my subject. But you be, you be honest with God, and as the Holy Spirit speaks to you, and you study the Word, and you realize that I'm doing something here that people could stumble over. That I'd be sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit to be willing to make changes. If we're not willing to do that, we're not going to grow. We won't be able to grow. Because we're rejecting the speaking, the voice of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, in our consciences. We're not willing to do what He wants us to do. And that stunts us. That stops us in our tracks. We can't get beyond that. God doesn't reveal truth to those who are already rejecting truth. And so it must be, have a commitment to truth, to be able to, to go on to further truth and greater truth. There was a story about the young man well, there was a man who, uh, in this church, and this is a story, so I, I don't have anybody in mind at all. I, I thought it quite interesting. Versus uh, at, uh, at this church, they would have their, their uh, yearly revival meetings. I think it was a church down south, if I, if I remember correctly. And there was this certain brother in the church who every time they had revival meetings, he, he went forward and confessed his sins. And a part of his prayer, he said, Lord, um, just remove those cobwebs from my life. Those things that are hindering me and, and all that, you know. Just remove all those things from me so that I can, I can be who I need to be. And uh, do what you want me to do. Well, there was a there was a man one, one, one year who was counseling with his brother and as he, as he went through his little, his little uh, um, prayer there about removing the cobwebs, he came along behind with a prayer of his own and he said, Dear God, forget the cobwebs and just go ahead and kill the spider. You know? And that's what needs to happen. Sometimes we just need to get to the root of things. Let's stop, let's stop working with the... With the uh, the surface issues. If there's a problem there, let's go deep and uproot those things and get rid of the spider. And uh, maybe that'll help us uh, live in victory. The person God chooses to use is a person who will do whatever God wants him to do. And we've already gone over that point. The person God uses is a man or woman of prayer. The Bible tells us the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, righteous woman, availeth much. So don't underestimate the power of prayer. Spend time in prayer. Seeking God's face for your own needs. And for us, the needs that we have as a body. Let's pray for those, those situations, that God will work things out and do His work in our lives. One of the greatest gifts that you can give to your to your ministers is to pray for them. The person God uses, and we've mentioned this already in passing as well, as a student of the Word. The Word is a lamp unto my feet 
and a light unto my path. We, we order our lives by the light of God's word. I'll share a little poem with you. As we think about our devotion to God, our, our relationship with God, and the importance of that. I met God in the morning when my day was at its best and his presence came like sunrise like a glory in my breast. All day long his presence lingered, all day long he stayed with me and we sailed in perfect calmness o'er a very troubled sea. Other ships were torn and battered, other ships were sore distressed, winds that seemed to drive them brought to me a peace and rest. And I think I know the secret, learned from many a troubled way. You must meet God in the morning, if you would have him through the day. A young lady was talking to an evangelist on the subject of consecration. I don't dare give myself wholly to the Lord, she said, for fear he'll send me out to China. The evangelist replied, If some cold snowy morning a little bird should come, half frozen, pecking at your window, and should let you take it in, and feed it thereby, putting itself entirely in your power, what would you do? Would you grip it in your hand and crush it? Or would you give it shelter without, or, excuse me, or would you give it shelter, warmth, food, and care? A new light came into the young lady's eyes. Oh, I see, she said, and her face shone as she went away. Two years later, they met again, and she reminded him of their former conversation. With a countenance all aglow with holy joy, she said, and do you know, I'm going to China. And as we think about the call that the various individuals received um, that we mentioned, we looked at, what a tremendous blessing Abraham, he heard the call, and he said, And do you know, I'm going to Canaan. Moses struggled, made excuses, finally came to the place where God was able to use him. Not quite the way he would plan God was planning to, but he used him. It would be much better for Moses to say, Do you know, I'm going to Egypt without complaining, without excusing himself. Noah, and we don't have a lot of details as to what Noah may have gone through in the, uh, after he received the call to when he started building the ark. But I believe Noah finally said, do you know, I'm building an ark for the saving of my house. I've caught God's vision. Elisha, got to the place there and I'm not sure it was without it was not without struggle 
But he said, I'm willing to go, in spite of the fact that it's going to cost me. I'm going. In spite of the fact that there's, it was apparently, it meant separation from his parents. And there's a few here this morning who know what that's all about. They're going through that just now. May God give you that same grace. Be able to do as Elisha um, was able to do, apparently with the blessing of his parents, we trust. Samuel, I'm going to do, I'm going to listen to what God has for me to say, uh, has to say to me. I'm going to listen to God. Isaiah, I'm going to be a prophet. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going. Here I am. Send me. Wouldn't it be so much better if Jonah would have just said, you know, I'm going to Nineveh instead of I'm going to Tarshish and down to that ship. Much better, I believe. Mary, you know, I'm going to be the mother of Jesus. And whatever that may cost her, she embraced it. The little boy with the lunch, I'm giving my lunch to the Lord. That's my call. And the Apostle Paul stopped in his tracks in his dastardly deeds against the church. Lord, I'm willing. What do you want me to do? Where do I go from here? And I'm sure at that point he didn't know what he was supposed to do. Because already he thought he was doing the will of God in his persecution of the church. But he was willing. Timothy received that call. Willing. And I don't know what you're facing today. But I would like to encourage you. Whatever that might be. Did you embrace that call? Make sure the call lines up with the scripture. Study your word. Study the word. Study your Bible. Seek counsel of your parents, your ministry. Do what's right. Have a, a heart to, to follow God with all your heart. And when that call comes and the lights turn green for you, may your response be, I'm going to China or wherever it may be. May God bless you. Let's kneel for a word of prayer.